Thank you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. First book of the Bible, the first three verses. Simply says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. You may be seated. It's not my intention to belittle us by going into something maybe seems relatively simple to us, but some review of some things and what the Bible says about God and His Word. The Bible has a lot to say to us about God, has a lot to say about it, about God's Word and about God's world, that in which we're living in. And we're living in such chaotic times and such yet, by the same token, such momentous times that we are forced to ask some serious questions about our life and about the destiny of us and especially in the light of some of the scientific developments and some of the things that's happening and everything that's happening existing between nations and also the chaotic conditions of our own world. And these are answers that we're going to have to have. And a lot of questions, more questions and answers seem to be presenting themselves and only God can give us any trustworthy answers. You're not going to find it on a psychologist, psychiatrist couch. You're not going to get it in some office where you're getting counseled. And you're not going to get it from reading books from intellectual minds and commentaries. But some way or somehow we're going to have to get into the Word of God and understand it was written for us in the 20th century, right now tonight, and holds the key and answers to a lot of our questions and problems. The reason we don't know the answers is because we simply haven't been studious enough and studied the Bible and to find out what God desires out of us and abide by His teachings. These teachings are proven and have been proven and are still proven the test of time. Now, any of you that feel like that you glean enough from this that you'd like to have a test at the end of this, I've got one for you. All right? Now, I'm not real sure how... I'm not going to duplicate any until I find out whether any of you are sure enough that you want to be challenged by what you're hearing. All right? How is your memory bank? How is your computer? Would you like to be challenged as to just how much you hear or maybe challenge me by how uh, my ability to get it over to you? And also, if you don't know the answers, it would be good anyway for you to take it and look at it and find the answers, and that way it would increase your abilities. Number Question number one is, what does the Bible say about itself? And it's the book of books. I mean, I think there's been one year, maybe two, that it hasn't been constantly and consistently the bestseller. I'm confused on that. 
And yet I'm not confused. It's because it seems like the thing to do is to buy a Bible. I think almost everybody has one. I don't know that I've been into a home where there isn't one laying around someplace. But my confusion is, why buy something if you're not going to use it? I mean, if you're not going to utilize it, why buy it? But nevertheless, it has been consistently, except for a year or two, and you'd be surprised what book uh, outsold it, and that was Playboy magazine. So you can see at one time how, how men dip, but nevertheless it has regained its composure and it is still number one bestseller. And it's the only book that we can get our hands on and say with all confidence, like the psalmist David said in 119.105, the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I think the thing that we need to consider is Why are we walking in darkness sometimes when the Bible challenges us and Psalmist David said, the word of God is a lamp unto my feet. And in other words, it lights my pathway, it shines a light on my pathway. And also Jesus says in Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. In other words, Written in the indelible ink of God's finger is the word of God that regardless of what happens from generation to generation, it's still going to be there. Man goes and man comes. Man defies him and says uh, that his word is not true, but it has stood the centuries of time. I just want to give a few incidentals here that you might want to write down, and you probably already know them. The Bible, if you're acquainted at all with the Bible, is divided into the Old and New Testament. The Old Testament begins with Genesis, written by Moses, 1,500 years before Christ. And it ends with Malachi, written about 400 years before Christ. The Old Testament has a total of 39 books, which are classified under three major headings. Seventeen are historical, five are poetical, seventeen are prophetic books in the Old Testament. Things that still speak out today. Many of the Old Testament prophecies have already been accomplished. But there's a lot of them still there that is yet waiting to be come to pass. The 27 books of the New Testament was all written at the end of the first century after Christ. And it's remarkable when you look at it that despite that long period of time from 1,500 years before Christ to 100 years after Christ, everything in the Bible is in perfect agreement. There's not one thing that is out of kelter in any way. And there's a lot, of course, the Old Testament, uh, New Testament writers talk about the Old Testament, but Matthew emphasizes the fact that prophecies of the Old Testament was fulfilled in New Testament times, some of them. And uh, this fulfillment is found in the completion of Jesus Christ. Listen to what he says in Matthew 5 and 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. In other words, he fulfilled the ceremony parts of the law insomuch that they are done away with. But the rest of the law still stands. He just simply 
fulfill them. He lived them up to the brim. To show that the law through the power of the Holy Spirit of God can be lived up to. He said he is our example. And he, of course, in the flesh, filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb, was able to fulfill them all. Major divisions of the New Testament are the four Gospels, the book of Acts, 21 epistles, and the Revelation. Now let's talk a little bit tonight about the origin of the Bible. The Bible itself, when we read it, is the best witness as to the origin of the Scriptures. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16, All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. This simply means that throughout the ages of time, God has chosen men through whom He will speak and place His message in writing so that we will have it and so we will be without excuse. Reading the Bible, we'll notice that His messengers express truth in terms of their own day. And that's why sometimes we miss the boat. When we read the Bible, we should read it in terms of Eastern culture, not Western culture. And then it begins to make sense. Otherwise than that, it doesn't. But the Bible does say in 2 Peter 1.21, Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. They spake as they was moved by the Holy Ghost. God has given us His Word in language, in terminologies, move still yet upon his messengers to unravel some of the riddles and mysteries in there and place it where we can grasp it and understand it if we so desire to. But there has to be a hunger inside of the heart of a Christian child of God to understand our day and to understand our situations and understand where we're living and why we're living there and what God says about it. And friend, listen. If you want peace of God, get into the Word of God and listen to Him speak to you about your own situation. Alright? And then trust Him in what He says. The Word of God is probably, in our day and era, the most important thing there is. I'm going to say the only thing that a child of God can get a hold of. If we don't grasp the Word of God, if we don't get into the Word of God, if we don't make it a study sometimes somewhere, well, then we're never going to understand where we're living and why we're there. You see, it's not bad to undergo some of the things that is placed upon us if there is a reason why. And God usually tells us about that. God speaks in the Bible to everybody that will listen to Him. When we read the Bible... Or when we hear it read, or when we hear it ministered, we are in God's presence. And it's a dangerous thing not to know the presence of God. And a dangerous thing to rudely, with contempt, tread upon the presence of God. You see how important it is when somebody stands behind the sacred desk or even in a Sunday school class, and proclaims the Word of God, and we pass it off so lightly, we forget we're in the presence of God. Just like Moses was in the presence of God when God spoke to him out of the burning bush. And like Moses, we ought to listen to what God has to say. Amen? So what I'm trying to say is, be concerned about the Word of God. 
Not necessarily who it's coming from, but what it says and how it challenges our life. Never come to church so dull-witted that we are not aware that God is talking to us. And if we have problems, get rid of them either right after you come into the house of God or before you do. That way you'll recognize the presence of God. See, God's going to hold us accountable for being in His presence I'm not hearing a thing he has to say. Amen. Amen? Now you don't like it when you're talking to somebody and they turn around and walk off or go to sleep on you. Amen? God doesn't like it either. Amen? It's immaterial whether I like it or not. I mean, I've always said, you can make it hard on me, but you can't stop me. I'm going to preach anyway. Amen? Amen? So, you, so you just well line out and wise up and get everything you can because it's going to mean something to you maybe tomorrow or the next day or sometime God says something that you're going to have to have to hold on to. You see, it's not a bed of roses. There's some thorn bushes in this thing. Amen. There's some areas in which things just doesn't seem right. But God's word is true and God speaks to us and God makes every effort to come close to us. You ever notice what happened uh, What with, with the burning bush? God made an attraction to Moses to get him close to him. Elijah, God made him some way or somehow understand when he come to the mount, God did something to get him there to get him close to him. That's why we have our services. I'm not saying you can't get close to God out there, but I am saying God makes every effort to get us close to Him. You can't get any closer to God than His Word. Amen? You can live in His Word. That's a closeness to God. That's the presence of God. In the days of old, God spoke to men in various ways, uh, under various circumstances. In our day, of course, God speaks uh, to us through the wonderful Scriptures that's there in great doctrines that he's laid down, inspiring poetry as we read through Psalms and all of those, in some solemn prophecies that he prophesies, and some gracious promises that he's made to us, plus some challenges. God talks to us through that. And in every instance, we can rely upon the fact that God's word is absolutely true in every principle. Everything God says is true. Whether we want to doubt or whether we don't, it's a truth about God and man. It's a truth about life and death. It's a truth about sin and salvation. It's a truth about right or wrong, about individuals, about congregations, about societies. God's Word applies to us. In other words, God's Word is there, a precious thing, for us to spend a little time in. Amen. For us to get in it. And for us to read it. And for us, if we don't understand it, hold on to it. Because God will clear these things up through His prophets, apostles, whatever. Amen. Reading the Word of God is never wasted. You see, it applies to us the same as it does in generations past. You see, God's Word is ageless. And God's Word is unchanging. Yeah, man might change, and he might try to change the character of God's Word, but God's Word stays the same. If He has said it, then we have to believe it. Amen? 
get a hold of what he says and apply it to our life and say, God, I may not understand it, but I'm going to receive it anyway. Eternity of God's Word. Men have controversy about the Bible and have had for centuries. They've torn it apart. They've ridiculed it. They've burned it. But they have never been able to destroy it. Now we have a thing going on in our country to do away with it, to destroy it, or even to do away with uh, individuals that hold fast to it. I don't know if you're aware of what's going to happen or what is happening or not. And there again, it's not political. They're going to use this thing in order to be able to crack down upon unpopular beliefs or unpopular groups. I can understand them not wanting individuals out there running around as terrorists. But it's been said time and time again, those individuals the government decides are undesirables, regardless of how they speak, they're able to infiltrate them, do something with them. Now this is where it's leading up to. Alright, we need to understand that. And they have tried to do with God's Word. They have tried to burn it. They have tried to destroy it. One of the greatest atheists of our time one time said that he's going to see that uh, elect lady which is the church destroyed. That man's dead and in his grave. And the church of God is still alive and vibrant and still moving. Hallelujah. And it'll always be here. The Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. In other words, we've got something solid to stand on. It's the word of God. And everybody has access to the word of God. We ought to get a hold of this thing sometime and clutch it to our bosom and say, God, thank you for the people that shed their life's blood and for individuals that decided they wanted to get this word in everybody's life and everybody's heart. There are individuals in foreign countries that would give anything just for a scrap of the Bible or one page of the Bible. They'd do anything when they first went over to Russia for the word of God. Word in which we leave Okay, in which we leave on our uh, little tables or in our shelves or in our church pews or wherever, word that we leave, all right, they would give anything in this world for. Why? Because they had went through desperate hours and desperate times when all they had to believe and lean on was what they had known in the Word of God and applied it to their heart. And the hunger of those individuals as they would do anything in the world just for a piece of the Word of God. We had a piece not too long ago where in one of these foreign dark countries uh, uh, the missionary came, only had a Bible or two, and they was willing to let him tear pages out of that so that each one of them could have a page of the Bible. Anything for a word of God. And I say shame on the United States of America that takes the word of God so carelessly and lays it aside and refuses to take some time to read it and understand it. God help us. God help us at Community Chapel. I'm sure we're as guilty as the next person by not reading and studying the Word of God. Ought to be some time. Don't let the devil take your time away from you in your Bible study and in your prayer. Amen. Amen. It's important now, but it's going to be more important than anything else that you've ever known. The Bible says, and this is the origin, and I just read it to you, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now those are simple words, but yet they're majestic words, and the Holy 
scriptures begin the account of the creation of the universe. The Bible simply states that the source of all being is Almighty God. I mean, it says that just as plain. Uh, Nothing existed without God. Nothing existed before Him. Nothing will exist after Him. He is the beginning and He is the end of it all. You see, the Bible gives us an eyewitness account of God Himself. The only one present when all of this started. When He just decided that He was going to clear the universe. It was without form and void. And He was going to make Him a place for His people where they can honor and worship Him and do it because they loved Him. Now, it's been a long season of time, but God is still working on that. Now, He said three words, let there be. Let there be. And so God worked this miracle of creation simply by His almighty power. And I get goosebumps when I think about that great omnipresent Spirit of God standing there alone. I've never had any of the wonderful great things that we have of creation. All He had was His Word. Hallelujah. He still has His Word, saints, and He's given to us. It was just as powerful today in our life as it was when He said, Let there be light, and there was light. It's that powerful, it's that moving, and it's that mighty. hasn't lost any of its power at all. You see, this was an expression of God's will. This is what God wanted. Amen? This is what He wanted. Every part of His creation was in accordance with His divine and majestic will. Everything that happened at that day was because God wanted it to happen. You'll find some of that in Genesis 1 and also check it out in Psalms 33, 6. The thing we've got to understand is God is an orderly God. That's why I have problems understanding and yet I don't because there's chaos in our world. There's rebellion in our world. Rebellion against leadership, orderly processes, against laws and everything. And it's crept into the house of God. Amen? It's crept into the house of God. And God has always been an orderly God. He still is an orderly God. You see, it was an orderly process. There's different ideas on how long it took. But it began with the creation of light. God prepared the world for coming to life. Hallelujah. There's no life in anything hardly unless there's light. Unless there's light. And modern science, here's the good thing about it. Modern science has discovered the astonishing fact that every bit of matter is bottled up in energy or radiation when we release, turns into light. They're finding this out. God knew that generations and generations, eons ago. Because He was the light of the world and He still is. It says here, uh, the first light was a cosmic light, and that's what, what the sun did. Now, Sir James Jeans, he was a great English scientist, says in his book, The Mysterious Universe, here's a quote from it, The whole story of creation can be told with perfect accuracy and completeness in six words. God said, let there be light. Isn't that simple? And yet it's so mysterious uh, that scientists gives it a lot of big names. You see, the program of creation is comprised in six days, periods of time. We're not going to get into how long that was and whether that, uh, whether there was a gap period in there or not. We're not going to get into that tonight. But it come to a climax 
in the resting of the Creator on the seventh day. The exact length of days, of course, we're not going to worry about that. But here's what happened. The days in their created accomplishment was this way, light first. And then it was firmness, atmosphere, division of waters. Then there was land and vegetation, vegetation. And then there was, was the plants and the stars. And the, then there was birds and fish. And then there was animals and then man. An orderly process of creation shows some wise planning and forethought from God Almighty. You see, He didn't just scatter this thing out here anyway. He didn't just say, uh, let there come a light and let there come all these things and then just leave it anyway at all. Orderly process. Every bit of it planned by the wise mind of God. You have to understand if you get too close to the sun, you'll burn up. <laughs> Amen. If you get too far away, you'll freeze to death. How come our world, our earth, the only inhabited planet there is, ever has been and ever will be, simply stays just the right place away from the sun enough to give us light and give us life and seeds to grow and all of this and furnishes the light and the darkness and all of this just exactly the way God planned it. Amen. Amen. Humanity is not the way God planned it yet but everything else is just the way God planned it. Thank God for His wisdom. Thank God for His power. Thank God for His anointing. Thank God for His Word. Hallelujah. Something I can get a hold of when I don't have anything else to go on. Amen. I really feel sorry for people that go on feelings. We got a lot of them today. I mean, hey, if I just can't feel, and if they're in the leap and a shout, and I just can't feel goosebumps up and down my back, something's wrong. Listen, there's going to come some times in your life, bless your heart, when you're not going to feel it. And if you don't feel it, uh, and, and people like that feel like, well, I have no use to come anyway, I'm backslid anyway. And you need to learn to get a hold of the Word of God. You need to get in it and understand what these things are happening. Okay, let's go on. God established laws of nature. These laws show us that even more fully, really, the marvelous wisdom of Almighty God, maker of heaven and earth. God gave to each plant its own seed, bearing seed after its kind, according to Genesis 1.11. He endowed fowls and fish and animals and men with impulses and powers of procreation. And again, after its kind. See, man has failed there again in that. It should always be. And we need to understand it. Genesis 1, 22 and 28. And contrary to the theory of evolution, man didn't involve, evolve from any lower forms of animal life, but he was created by Almighty God from the beginning. They're never going to find that missing link because there isn't a missing link. All right? You are created by God Almighty. Amen. As one minister said, some of my kinfolk might have hung by the neck, but they never hung by their tail. Amen. All right? Now, I'm not so sure about some of mine. Amen. But God created us kind of just like we are. Amen? Made him ugly like Jack, good looking like me. I mean, he didn't have everything. <laughs> I like him out there. I can see him. All right. God ordered the course of the sun. He ordered the course of the moon and the stars. And he did it to provide heat and light and to establish our regularly recurring seasons, days, months, and years, had it all planned out. 
Hallelujah. Had it planned out. This didn't just happen. I mean, what we experienced didn't just happen. God had it all planned out. Now, what does this mean to us? That's number one. Without these so-called laws of nature, nothing about so-called scientists or science could exist. Without the laws of nature, government governing the growth of plants, the farmer wouldn't know how to plant and he wouldn't know how to harvest his crops or he wouldn't have one. But he can mostly, he can depend upon the laws of nature. If the methods for making steel, fasting, other goods were unreliable, the manufacturer couldn't carry on his work. Modern science relies completely on the detailed, intricate laws of nature, but they fail to give God the credit for establishing the laws of nature. They know that. They rely upon the laws of nature. And they're constantly striving to learn more about them and their application. <laughs> I like to invite them to get in here. It tells them all about it and tells them how they work and where they started and how we can depend on it. Now, what does the Bible say about God? Wait a minute. Let's get up here. The discoveries of the forces of nature which man has made only recently. And yet they've been existing since creation ought to humbling. But when man discovers something, he seems to get exalted. What he is is discovering something that's always been there. What he ought to understand is somebody made this the way it was and I just discovered it. And he ought to understand there's a creator someplace and give honor to God and be humble that God allowed him to understand it. But all he's doing is just discovering something that's always been close at hand. Now then, what does the Bible say about God? Men of science should be, and many of the great eminent scientists are, the first to appreciate the words of the 19th Psalm. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament sureth His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, a night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor knowledge where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. Psalms 19, 1 and 4. God's word reveals to us much about God's power. Read in Romans 1, 20 of God's wisdom. Psalms 104, 24, Job 28, 12 and 28, read about His glory and His majesty, of His loving care that He created that, talks about in Matthew 7, 7, 11. Man knows that there is a higher being. For the most part, and not even the best church member, I don't suppose, really understands that much about Him, but there's hardly anybody that doesn't understand there is a higher being. Because of the revelation of the world of nature, man can't escape the fact that somebody is responsible for this. The Apostle John emphasizes this when he writes, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Romans 1.21 and of all the things that you have in this world, only the Word of God is trusted. Everything else will have its failures. 
Men can write some of the best books in the world. We had a man that, that uh, supposedly read and studied and wrote the book 88 Reasons Why the Lord Will Come in 88. We couldn't depend on that, could we, because he didn't come. Then he decided he'd made a year's mistake and he wrote another book that says he'll come in 89. He didn't come in 89. You've heard this time and time again. Of all the best research in the world that man gives and man writes, they're not trustworthy. But the Bible is. And whenever we look and want to know about God, just look around us. I'm not an earth creature other than I see the handiwork of God in this earth. I can appreciate the birds singing. I can appreciate the sun shining. I can appreciate the leaves blooming and the leaves falling. I can appreciate the darkness and I can appreciate the light. And I can appreciate a move of God in every realm of the way. I can appreciate how a flower dies in the wintertime and yet springs forth in the summertime. I can appreciate the soil where you put a seed in and nobody knows what's in there and yet it grows and makes others. I can appreciate that because I know there's a higher power a magnificent presence of God inside here and He placed it here and it's always been there and things grow by the Word of God. Amen. And we live by that. We live by that. God help us that we pass beyond this world of, uh, world of tears without smelling a few roses and without seeing the handiwork of God. Sometimes we're too busy crying in our beer. We don't drink beer, but crying in our soup. We're too busy moaning and going about what's going on in our life and to walk, wake up one morning and look out and see the beautiful handiwork of God. There is no better place in this world. And I want to see that, that in your counties that you live in. Amen. You can see His beauty everywhere. And you can see His grace. Wake up some morning. And don't say, Oh Lord, morning. Say, Good morning, Lord. And look out and say, God, it's going to be a beautiful day and I need some way or somehow to understand and see and appreciate you and everything that I have to see and go through. The Bible is the only one we can trust on. But without a revelation of God brought by the Holy Spirit in the individual hearts, Man cannot know the true God and cannot know what He's like. Paul writes that in 1 Corinthians 2.14. In man's foolishness and ignorance, he might forget, at least he might try to forget, that God is the creator of all things. But Paul says, these things that nations have fallen to idol worship when they knew God and glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing them to be wise, they became fools. You've got a lot of educated fools today. And I don't have one thing against education. But education ought to bring the life of God to an individual. And it would if man understood Him. God's Word never permits us to lose sight of the fact that God is the true God. I mean, if we are students of God's Word, we're never going to forget that. Now, we'll forget it if we're not. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. First, John 1, 3, Psalms 95, 3 and 6, Acts 17, 21. 
And Romans 11:36. Now what does the Bible say about God and his attributes? A lot of confusion on that. But the Bible speaks about God. The Bible speaks about his attributes or his characteristics. And we're going to speak about them just a little bit right now, but maybe later on when we begin to study the plan of salvation. We're going to note especially some of them in a lot greater detail. Number one, the Bible tells us there is but one God. Amen. I defy anybody to find any place in the Word of God where it says other than that. Amen. you find that when you read Deuteronomy 6.4, Mark 12.29, 1 Corinthians 8.4. We owe our first loyalty then... To God and to Him alone. That's already been said in your Sunday morning teaching. He already says He'll have no other gods beside Him or before Him. In other words, solely sold out to God. He is demanding this. We're not giving it to Him. But He is demanding this. We don't have our little stone idols or our little ugly Buddhas that we bow down to. But we got things just as bad. And yet God is continually saying, I want to be first. I've got to be first. He's a jealous God. Yes. Amen. Don't want to catch him in a fit of jealousy. Children of Israel provoked him to jealousy one time, caught him in a fit of jealousy, and he dispersed them and killed some of them. Oh, he's a generous, good God. He wouldn't do that. Well, he did. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. He does not want us to share our loyalty with any other person or thing. God says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Isaiah 42, 8. God repeatedly demonstrated to His chosen people that idols of men, that men worshipped were not divine. Search it out. Review about this important test as others, but read 1 Kings 18, 21, and 40, and you'll see Elijah's deal with the prophets of Baal. Vastly outnumbered, altogether 850 to 1, but there was one difference. There was a mighty power that Elijah had got a hold of, and all their idols were idols of stone. Couldn't work. And yet, being one God, he manifested himself in three different ways. Now, this is study the Bible. We see that God has made himself known through three manifestations or revelations. We know him, if we study, as the eternal Father, the Creator, in whom and by whom the order of nature, moral laws, and truth are grounded. We know Him like that. We know Him also as He reveals Himself in the flesh through the Son, Jesus Christ. The Word became flesh. And we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. No sign or indication of another person. Just a great manifestation of the love of God when He came down and knew mankind had to be redeemed and there wasn't a man on the face of this earth any place that could redeem mankind. So He came, veiled Himself in human flesh, become the sacrificed lamb, lived a sacrificial life, died an atoning lamb, uh, death accomplished a victorious resurrection, 
and accomplish salvation for humanity. God veiled in flesh humbled himself because he loved us. It comes at a definite time in history certainly when man needed to be redeemed. Then we know God also because He speaks by means of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. That sacred presence of God that comes to abide in here. We know Him. He is not another person. He is Almighty God. And His attributes through the power of the Holy Spirit of God that resides within everybody that wants Him and desires Him. Hallelujah. Binds us to Him. Binds us to a fellow man with some cords of love that can't be broken. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes to the evidences of God as being the Creator. To the redeeming acts of God all throughout history. Summons us to the faith of Jesus Christ. Empowers us to be obedient to the commands of God. All of these things, the Holy Spirit of God inside opens our eyes to the revelations of God. Shows us how to move and how to live and how to breathe and all of this. And gives us the designs of God in our life. The Holy Ghost, God demonstrating His power to us. In other words, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I said hallelujah. What a privilege to have God inside of us. He don't know us that. He loved us. So we see that God revealed Himself as a Creator, as a Redeemer, and an empowering Spirit, and still just one God. All of that's in Scripture. How in the world man can get anything else out of it? It staggers my imagination. Also another thing, you see, God, the Bible is very careful to preserve the oneness of God. Very, very careful to preserve the oneness of God. And how in the world then, with all the carefulness, integral ways that God has dealt and spoken, how do we get out on this great line? How do we get out on this uh, great thing of, of three different personalities forming just one God? When God is very careful in every place to preserve His oneness. He's not going to have a son sitting over here and the Holy Spirit sitting over here. He'll not share His glory with anything. I am God and I change not. We have to remember then, be very careful in our own mind to preserve the oneness of God. Also, another mystery. I'm going to get done here in about another hour. Just stay with me, okay? I'd like to finish this, but I'm not going to be able to. Okay. Another mystery is the fact that God is a spirit and yet demonstrates a personality. Amen. God cannot be seen. For Jesus himself declared God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. John 4.24 John 1.18 Acts 17.24-29 Colossians 1.15 1 Timothy 1.17 1 Timothy 6.16 However, God is not 
a mere impersonal force. He is the supreme, absolute personality. When Moses at the burning bush asked God to describe himself, God answered, I am that I am. In other words, my existence does not depend on anything or anybody else. That's what he said. I am the self-existent one that reveals himself. He has not depended on cosmic rays. He has not depended upon the magic of anything. He only depends on himself. I am because I am. Amen? Denoting his personal self-existence all by himself, he lives. He has not depended upon whether I live or you live, or whether the sun shines or whether it doesn't. He's not dependent on that. He of self-existence needs nothing or no one. He wants us. He loves us. And He created us for Him. But He'll still be God without us. Amen. God is eternal. You want me to stop here and break this up? Or you want me to go ahead with another couple pages? Thank you. I'll go ahead. God is eternal. Before the mountains were brought forth, or even thou hadst formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. Psalmist David, thank you, Psalmist, thou art God. Psalms 90 and 2. God was in existence before He created the world. There never was a time when God was not, and there will never be a time when He will not be. From everlasting to everlasting, the Psalmist David said, Thou art God. It matters not, the Psalmist David said, What I do, where I go, or my existence, you were from the beginning, and you'll be there at the end. You need no one. God does not change. He's always the same. From eternity to eternity, I'm God and I change not. Truth ought to be comforting to us. Even though it's beyond our human understanding. I don't understand how this could be. My God. Uh, who made him? Why was he there? What created him? In our mind we have, to, we have to try to rationalize that. But in our spirit we just accept the fact that he is God. That he did exist. That he still exists. That he's eternal. And when every king has done his best. And every demon force of hell has done their very best. God is still going to be God. And he's still going to have a people thank God. And he's going to worship and praise him. Regardless of what the devil does. Never any way where God is going to be destroyed. And the thing that's hard to understand also is God is everywhere. We can't run away from Him. And we can't hide from Him. The psalmist writes, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. That's scary, isn't it? Thou knowest my downsittings and mine uprisings. Thou understandest my thoughts afar so off. You don't think anything but what God already knows it, so be careful. Thou compass my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. Now that is scary. If we ever had any idea we're hiding anything from God, we got a big problem. 
Thou hast beset me behind and before, and hast laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? Psalmist David, 139.17. Another thing it's hard to understand is God is all wise. Wisdom is just simply applied knowledge. And God not only knows all things, but He's also all wise. Psalmist again speaks, O Lord, how manifold are Thy works! In wisdom hast Thou made them all. Psalms 104.24 The world about us, intricate, orderly laws of nature speak to us about an all-wise God. Even a person that doesn't know God marvels at the wisdom of the all-wise Creator because of the witnesses, what we see around us alone. The atheist who says there is no God. Agnostic who says maybe there is a God and maybe there isn't are without basis in their belief. The Bible says, and we read to you, they are without excuse. And God is almighty. God is able to do whatever He pleases and whatever serves His plans and purposes. His act of creation demonstrates this. We're going to take note of this when we study in the dealings with God's, God's man. God can say as He did to Abraham, I am the Almighty God. As the Almighty God, His wonderful promises has a lot of deep meaning when He says, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee and shall glorify me. Thou shalt glorify me. That's Psalms 50 and 15, and we're getting there. God is holy, God is just, and God is righteous. God is completely without sin. God is absolutely pure and perfect. In a vision, Isaiah saw the holy angels covering their faces in the presence of the Lord and worshiping Him. Because God is holy, He is also just and He's righteous in everything that He does. We can justly and truly tell mankind, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Leviticus 19.2 God measures our rewards and punishments for right and wrong with absolute impartiality. Right. He renders to every man according to his deeds. Romans 2 and 6. God is not a respecter person. He will not show any special favor to anybody. And you know that's going to be hard on some people to think they're God's uh, men and women for this hour. That's going to be hard on them when they find out that God is not partial to them at all. Amen. God is faithful, merciful, and gracious. Even though none of us has deserved any consideration from God. He is faithful, and He's merciful, and He's gracious. Timothy says, 2.13, If we believe not, yet He abideth faithful, He cannot deny Himself. God provides the need for His creation. He maketh His Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. Matthew 5, 24. God has pity on those in need and helps them. God offers and gives His blessings regardless of our merit or our worthlessness. Last but not least, God is love. Sum up all of God's characteristics. Describe him briefly but yet completely. God's word declares, 1 John 3 and 8, God is love. 
God's great love is expressed in this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And on the basis of what we have just said, we ought to truly confess, I believe in Almighty God, maker of heaven and earth and provider of all of his children. Stand and let's give God honor. Let's give him worship in the name of Jesus because he is God. We ought to consider him. We ought to consider him as to who he is and what really we've got a hold of and how precious it is to know our master. How precious it is for him to bleed and die. Create all of this for us. And provide for us everlasting life. Thanks, God. The I am that I am. Hallelujah. Self-existent one. Exists by himself. I can't do that. I depend on God for existence. But he just depends on himself. That's how great he is. Praise the Lord. All right, if you'd like to test your abilities, you just let me know and I'll get you some questions. Okay. All right, there's one. I'll just look at those grins. We'll, we'll have to get them to you Sunday. What I'm trying to do is find out. I don't want to just make a bunch of them up and, and let you play with them. I want to see them. But now, if you flunk, I don't know what we do. Give it over again. No, like I said, I'm, I'm sure with a lot of them, you, you probably have to go back and look it up and, hey, this is good. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. And it, it will, in fact, Ben says, it, it will just simply uh, help you in understanding. But here, here what's God, what does it mean when they say that God inspired men to write the thoughts of the scripture? Check the more correct statement. The Bible came, contains the word of God or the Bible is the word of God. Two major divisions of the Bible are and are and so on and so forth. Sure. Well, first off, first off, go through and see how much you remember. And this will give you some idea just how much you hear and how much you retain. Okay. All right. Let's remember Sunday, though. We, we don't know. A lot of people have said they might come, and, and we don't know. I mean, they may be a bunch, and they may not be nobody. We're just going to enjoy the blessings of the Lord. Okay? So be sure and cook up a good meal of some type, and be sure to come out. I'd like for everybody, if they would, uh, that can at all, just park around the back in case we do have an overflow here. They at least won't have to walk a mile or two. Okay, so just pull around the back there. Back door will be open. You can bring your goodies in there and all of this. Okay? Are we all right? Okay. We're not stunned or anything. Okay.
people and take us out of this chaos give us a direction and uh, as somebody said it's such a chaotic thing and there will be more with he said that with certainty and I feel sure if something doesn't happen we're going to feel uh, a lot of pain and a lot of agony and uh, the church just simply needs to get on its knees for a nation I mean, I think we've played long enough, and I think God's getting tired of it. And uh, I think that He's wanting something out of His church that, that we're not giving Him. Okay? All right. All minds are clear. Father, we thank You tonight again for Your loving kindness and for Your mercy, for just caring enough for us, Father, that You speak to us. Now, I ask God that You go home with us, You protect us, keep our minds illuminated by Your presence and power, God, and Give us a desire to get into the Word of God and study it, Master, and search out the things in our life, things that are seemingly hidden in there, but yet they're just there for us to discover. We thank you, Lord, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. It's our prayer.